For our New Testament reading this morning, we turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. As you can see in your bulletin, we are going to focus this morning on verses 24 and 25. I even printed them there in your bulletin over on the right side so that you can see them when we get out our magnifying glasses and focus on them. But for our reading here, let's make a running start, and I'll start reading for us at verse 19. So Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Hear now the word of God. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for these words that we've just heard and for the important truths that are to be found here, for the summons that we've heard. We pray that you would give us ears to hear. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we got to witness Astoria and Corbin and Silas making profession of their faith. It's a big day for them, big day for their families, a big day, a wonderful day for our church family. Of the five questions that they had to answer when they made their profession of faith, it's the fourth of them that focuses on what we're doing right now. It's the fourth question that focuses on the church's worship. The question is, do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? And all three of them gave the right answer. Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? worth reminding ourselves the only reason we have the right to ask them that question as a part of making a profession of faith is that the Bible gives us warrant to do so. We we can't ask them any old thing we want to when we bring them up here in front of the church. We can only ask them questions. We can only insist they take vows that come from God's word. That's got to be the foundation we're standing on. When anyone makes a profession of faith. Well, this fourth question 
does come from Scripture. Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? That is a perfectly biblical question. And it is the answer of faith to say, yes, I do. By the grace of God, I do. I do promise that. Well, Hebrews chapter 10, especially verses 24 and 25, that's a great place to go in order to see just how biblical that question is. And that's why we're turning to this passage today. I thought we might take the fourth of those five questions and dig into some scripture behind it so that we can all be reminded and encouraged today. But before we focus on those two verses, 24 and 25, if you back up a bit to where I started reading today, if you back up to verse 19, you can see where our verses fit in because verses 19 through 25 all fit together. They all run together. If you'll excuse the awful pun, this overall Bible passage is good for you because there's a lot of lettuce in it. Because the writer keeps saying, let us. There are three heads of let us in this passage, verses 19 through 25. The first of them is in verse 22. Verse 22, he says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. In other words, let us draw near to God. Let's avail ourselves of the reality that Jesus is a great high priest who has made the way. So that's the first. The second is, there in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. In other words, let's, let's hold on to the gospel, which is itself a gospel of hope. And then the third of them, the third head of lettuce, as it were, is right there in our verses, 24 and 25. They're printed in your bulletin. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, there's a lot just in those two verses, and there are any number of ways that we might go about unpacking them. If it helps you, you can think of our sermon today as an episode of Schoolhouse Rock. Because in our sermon today, we're going to focus on one particular part of speech, and it's the verbs. Today, it's all about verbs. Because you can get a lot out of these two verses if you just notice the verbs that the writer uses throughout. And we're going to notice five of them. So those will be our markers along the way. The first verb here that I want us to notice is stir. Stir. What does he say in verse 24? Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Stir. As Christians, sometimes our zeal can settle. Our hearts can settle down into indifference and carelessness. Our love grows cold. Our desire to do good works runs low. And so what do we need? We need to be stirred up again. 
spiritually stimulated, provoked, excited again. And there are so many different ways that we can do that for one another in the body that is the Christian church. The relationships that we foster. The words that we say to one another. The examples that we set for one another. The lessons that we pass on. Lessons that we've learned that we're willing to share. All of these different ways in the life of the church by which we can stir one another up. Because at times we settle down. And we may not even notice just how much over time we've begun to settle and need to be stirred up again. And if that's going to happen, if that's going to be characteristic of our fellowship, well then, there's got to be fellowship. We've got to meet together. We've got to be together. And that brings us to the second of our five verbs. We go from stir to meet. M-E-E-T, the verb meet. Because after he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, he says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So what he's saying there, what he's reminding them of there, is, is this fundamental aspect of the Christian life, which is, as a Christian, it's your calling and your privilege to participate in the gatherings of the church as a Christian It's our calling, it's our privilege to participate in the gatherings of the church. And in fact, that's the meaning of the Greek word in the Bible that we have translated as church. The basic meaning of that word is assembly. That's just what it means to be the church. It means to assemble, it means to gather, it means to meet. And as a Christian, it's your calling to be part of that. And so... To make this very practical, what that means, among other things, is that on Sundays you show up. And you don't just show up, you show up with your heart. You come to be with the church in order to praise God from the heart. And in order to grow in Jesus and in order to love your brothers and sisters in Jesus, you show up with the church in order to glorify God and to enjoy Him. So that's, that's putting it positively, we're to meet. Notice he does put it negatively here as well. Negatively, the way he puts it is, do not neglect this. Look again at verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. I guess we'll make neglect our bonus verb. And this is very realistic. It was true in the first century when this was written. It's still true today in the 21st century when we're reflecting upon it. Some Christians don't get this. Some Christians think that coming on Sundays is purely optional, that the Christian life is such an individualized life that the meetings of the church on Sundays be considered, can be considered on a take-it-or-leave-it basis. And so they neglect this. And notice, he says, they neglect it as a matter of habit. And isn't that realistic as well? When you skip worship once, 
and then a second time, and then a third time, it starts getting easier to tell yourself that it's okay just to skip worship. No, meet together. Do not neglect meeting together. Now, obviously, there are Sundays when you just can't make it. But that's not neglect. That's providence. And here in 2021, we can add, there might be whole seasons of Sundays when a viral pandemic means that the church cannot meet in person. We've got to find some other way. Or that you personally cannot come to the building for a while because it's not safe for you. But again, that's not neglect. That's providence. To the contrary, that's wisdom. And the providence of our Father can be the mother of invention and creativity and adaptability in the life of the church. And hopefully we've put that on display over the past year and a half. But the point is, don't undervalue what's going on here when the church is meeting together. Don't undervalue it in such a way that it becomes a habit that you just skip it. That's neglect. Now meet together. Providence permitting, to the best of your ability, as it says in that fourth question that the kids answered today, to the best of your ability, show up on Sundays and show up with your heart. And then, notice this as well. Notice the connection that he's making here. Here's the connection between our first two verbs, stir and meet. He's telling them to meet because that is a way to stir. Our meeting together as the church, it can have the wholesome effect of stirring up one another to love and good works. It can have the effect of fanning the flame. It can stimulate and provoke and excite. It can do that because of the things that happen here on Sundays, the hymns that we sing, and the truth that's proclaimed, the conversations that we share. But then it can also happen, this stirring up, Simply by virtue of the fact that we're together to do those things. Just looking around the room right now. Seeing all of the folks who have come together. Adding their own amen. Simply by virtue of their presence. To how important this is. That stirring. Stirs us up. I'm one of the first people to get here on Sunday mornings. I've got various things I want to set up. And I want to tune my guitar and all of that. And I so love the experience of being stirred as other folks show up as we get closer to 9 o'clock to put out the bulletins there in the foyer, to practice the piano and the strings, to get the sound system all set to go, to get the Lord's Supper all set to go. And then the rest of you start showing up for the worship service. It stirs me as this as this beehive begins to buzz and the buzz gets louder. I I walk through those doors and I walk into this room that's completely empty. And because of the acoustics, you can just hear everything. But I love that sense of anticipation that it won't be long now before the room's not empty anymore. And I'll be up here and looking out and seeing this. And it stirs me up. And I love it. And it ought to be stirring for all of us. Simply to look around the room 
and to see what we're experiencing right now as a church family. So the first was stir. The second was meet. And you see how they go hand in hand. And then the third one goes along with them too. The third verb is encourage. So we go from stir to meet to the third, which is encourage. Look again at verse 25. He says, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So here too, it's helping us understand why we ought to meet like this. As Christians, sometimes we can become discouraged. When we show up here on Sundays, we've been wrestling with our own sin for six days. Maybe we feel beaten down by the world after six days. Maybe we feel worn out because of spiritual warfare for six days. The world, the flesh, the devil, discouraging, disheartening. But then we show up here on Sundays. And we sing and we pray. And we hear and we feast. And we give and we receive. And we drink coffee and tea. And we catch up over coffee and tea. It's encouraging. It's encouraging even if, like me, you drink decaf. And so we don't leave here the way we came. We encourage one another in all of these different ways. And don't we need that? Now here's a fourth verb that's good for us to notice. Here we're backing up now to the beginning of verse 24. Notice the verb that gets us into all of this. Let us consider. Consider. This one, consider, this colors everything that we've been talking about so far. Stirring, stirring by meeting, meeting in order to encourage. The point is that's all meant to be deliberate, intentional, thoughtful, not accidental, not inadvertent, not maybe it'll just happen. No, you plan, you consider, you plan to come on Sundays, providence permitted, and you determine To bring your heart with you when you come. And you think about your brothers and sisters in Jesus ahead of time. And the opportunities that you might have to talk with them, to catch up with them over coffee and tea, decaf, caffeinated and otherwise. In other words, these ought to be goals that you have. Stirring and stirring by meeting and meeting in order to encourage. It ought to be the case That you're thinking about Sundays with those goals in mind. That you are considering the meetings of the church with those aspirations in view. Now that doesn't mean that those things are going to be constantly in the front of your mind. But every once in a while they ought to be. And so I want to say to you today, consider. Consider this. Consider Stirring up your brothers and sisters in Christ whose zeal might be settling down and how you might have that good effect in their lives. Consider 
meeting. Because your presence matters. And it can take planning ahead to get the whole family here and to get everybody here a few minutes before the service starts. Consider encouraging. Because your brothers and sisters might be discouraged. Consider the golden rule. Do unto others. Just stop and consider what it is that you need as a Christian from your fellow Christians in order for you to be stirred up and encouraged and then do that for them. Consider this. So it's stir, it's meet, it's encourage, it's consider, and then here's one more, the fifth of our verbs, and it is the verb see. S-E-E. Look in verse 25. Because he tells them to, to do all of these things, to relate to one another this way. And then in verse 25 he says this. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. This one, this one also colors everything else. Stirring, stirring by meeting, meeting in order to encourage, and considering it. You ought to be going about all of that as you see the day drawing near. And the day that he's talking about here, it must be the day when Jesus is going to come back. Because that is the day. So all of the stirring and meeting and encouraging and considering, why should we be doing this? Why should we be living this way? Why should we be functioning this way as a close-knit body of believers? Well, one of the answers to that question is this. We should be because Jesus is coming back and because we can see it. With the eyes of faith, We can see that that day is coming, even though we don't know exactly when it's going to be, and it would be a mistake for us to try to figure out when that's going to be. Still, we know that it's drawing near. So we know that it's one day closer than it was yesterday, that grand day. In some Bible translations, the word day is printed with a capital D. In fact, I think, yes, there in your bulletin, in the English Standard Version, capital D. And they print it that way because the idea is it's not just any old day that's in view. It's not hump day. It's not groundhog day. It's not election day. It's not international Merlot day. And I mention that one because it today happens to be international Merlot day. Who knew? But no, it's not just any old day that's in view here in our verse. Certainly not a repeating annual day. It's going to be the day when Jesus comes back. And stop and think about the significance of that capital D day. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be Revelation Day. Because on that day, he's going to be revealed like never before. And not only that, but we who are united with him by faith, we're going to be revealed too. We're going to be revealed as the sons and daughters of God. It's going to be Revelation Day. What else? It's going to be Judgment Day. 
when he comes back. Because he is going to come back to judge the nations. And he will do so with justice and equity. It's going to be Revelation Day. It's going to be Judgment Day. Here's one more. It's going to be Redemption Day when he comes back. Because that's going to be the day when Jesus raises our bodies and makes us whole again and renews the very world we live on. And he's going to make that world our everlasting home. He's going to complete our redemption. The meek shall inherit the earth. How's that for a day? Revelation Day, Judgment Day, Redemption Day. And that day is coming, and we can see it with the eyes of faith in advance because of the revelation of it in Scripture. We can see it, that that day is coming. Now, it's certainly a fair question to ask. What on earth, literally what on earth, does that have to do with our responsibility as the church to meet together? These meetings that have all of these wholesome effects that we've been reflecting upon. What's the connection between the fact that we ought to meet together as the church and the fact that Jesus is coming back? Well, I think you can see the connection if you just go back over the three aspects of that day we just noticed. First of all, if that day is really going to be Revelation Day, well, then, brothers and sisters, let's get together Sunday after Sunday. And testify to the one who's going to be revealed. Our eyes, our eyes are going to be fixed on Christ that day. Well then, let's start practicing now. Let's fix our eyes on him now. When we meet. And that's a helpful way to think about what this worship service is about. Fixing our eyes on the one who has been revealed to faith and who at the end of the age will be revealed to all and every knee will bow. So too, if that day is really going to be judgment day, well then let's get together. Sunday after Sunday. And testify to the one who has forgiveness to offer. Because he's the only one who has forgiveness to offer so as to be ready for that day. And Christ himself has established the church in the world, in the community, in Fairfax to bear witness to that vital forgiveness because it's going to be judgment day. And one more, if that day is really going to be redemption day, well then let's get together Sunday after Sunday and enjoy a foretaste of that redemption. Because at the heart of eternity are going to be worship and fellowship. Well, then let's do it. Let's practice. Let's bask in this weekly gathering, this weekly foretaste of what's in store. Revelation Day, Judgment Day, Redemption Day, for all of those reasons and more, it makes all the sense in the world that we should meet as we are right now. All because that day is coming and we can see it. It's a little like when you've got something exciting that's coming up on the earthly horizon, maybe a family vacation. The anticipation of that something that's on the horizon, it has a way of casting its light into everything that you're doing leading up to it. Because you can see it. And it's as if the, those beams of light are, are being cast backward into your present moment. 
filling it with anticipation. You can imagine it. And so all of the packing for that trip, all of the preparations, all that's going on in light of that prospect of this great trip that's coming up, even the things that you're doing that aren't really related to the trip, it can feel like the whole of your life you're living in light of what's coming. And that's certainly true here. We do not know exactly when Jesus is going to come back, but we certainly know that he is. And the certain prospect of that day it has a way of casting its light on our life as a church in the here and now. So, brothers and sisters, that episode of Schoolhouse Rock, those five verbs, stir and meet and encourage and consider and see. All the more as you see the day drawing near. I do want to say this to anyone who's joined us today whose faith is not in the Lord Jesus Christ today. It certainly is that the church's message to you, it's my message to you today, and you won't be surprised to hear this, that you need to believe in Jesus Christ. But I also want to say this to you today. Our our message is more than that. Our message is also, join us. Join us. It's certainly true. The main thing is you're having to deal with Christ. That one-on-one And the summons to believe in him in a way that you have not believed in him before. But but that then gives way to more. There's more than just the one-on-one between you and him. It then becomes a relationship to his people in the world. I say join us. Believe in Jesus and then join the church. Not necessarily this congregation. It could be this church, New Hope. It could be some other congregation. Just throw in your lot with this people that is the Christian church in the world, having come to faith in the church's king and head. Yes, it's true. I know I don't need to tell you, and you don't need to tell me. There's sin and hypocrisy in the church. I'm sure you've read about it. Maybe you've experienced it firsthand. I have too. I've experienced it firsthand as one who's been guilty of it myself. So we can, we can speak candidly here about the church in the world. I still say join us. Because there are wonderful things here as well. There's a body of people here who meet Sunday after Sunday to worship God. Who stir one another. Who encourage one another. Who consider it. Who think about it. And all the more as we see that day drawing near, join us. You won't be disappointed. To those of us who are in Christ by faith, I'm well aware of the fact that the things we're talking about here today, you've heard them before. You'll hear them again. The importance of the church, the importance of the church's meetings for worship, you've heard all this before. This is a reminder. Well, it turns out there's another verse in the New Testament that talks about being stirred up. Listen to what Peter says near the beginning of his second letter. 2 Peter 1, he says this, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up 
by way of reminder to stir you up by way of reminder. That's 2 Peter 1. And then he says something very similar near the end of the same letter. 2 Peter 3. He says, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. 2 Peter 3. It seems counterintuitive. Sometimes when we think about being reminded of something that we've heard before, especially many times before, what we picture is a shrug of the shoulders. The very opposite of being stirred up. What we picture is settling down into a somewhat deflated, I know, I know, I've heard it before. Perhaps even sinking down into the sofa, as we say it. But being reminded, included being reminded in all of the ways that we have been this morning, rightly doesn't do that to you. It doesn't lead to a settled down, sinking down, shoulder shrug. By the grace of the Holy Spirit, it fires you up to be reminded. So let our reminders today... Have that effect. There are only three people today who professed their faith, Astoria, Corbin, Silas. But the faith they professed belongs to all of us who belong to this church. So may we all be stirred up by way of reminder. That's one of the reasons why, as I said when they made their profession, it's fitting and edifying that they make their profession in the company of the congregation. Not just so that we have witnessed it, though that's a big part of it, but also so that we can be reminded and and hear those questions and hear their I do's. And remember that we once said, I do ourselves. May we all be stirred up by way of reminder. There's a verse in the Psalms that regularly comes to my mind when when I'm thinking about these things, when I'm thinking about the church and the blessing, and let us say it, the blessing that it is to belong to the church. It's one of my favorite verses in the Psalms. Psalm 144 Blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. you believe that? That it's a blessing to be numbered among the people of God, to belong to this people in the world who meet, because we belong to one another. We need one another. Or have you lost sight of that? In such a way that you stopped considering these things a while ago. And you started showing up on Sundays with gritted teeth. Blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Are we not the most blessed of all peoples in the world? A privilege to belong to a people that's called like this. Called to stir and meet and encourage and consider because we see. So let us heed that call. It's Christ who calls us. 
Christ who's coming back on that day, you can see it. You can see him. So let us live like it and worship like it. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we see you now with the eyes of faith. And by that same faith, looking forward now, we see the day of your return. Revelation Day, Judgment Day, Redemption Day. Well then, all the more, may we meet like this so as to stir one another up. So as to encourage one another when we are discouraged. And may we consider it and make plans to love one another like that, for you have loved us first. We pray this for your glory in the church. Amen.